Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. That was the jukebox intro. It's not the one I usually play. I forgot it was loud and catchy. This is Michael. Uh, it's when it's Wednesday, May 26th, and we have a very interesting show today. My co-host, Robin Schooling, is here. Robin, how are you this week? Hello, Michael. I am uh, I am good, although I've been a little bit nomadic this week because our um, our internet slash cable slash everything has been out at home. So I've been rolling mm. from coffee shop to coffee shop around town so I can get on Wi-Fi connections. You know, here um, there are some coffee shops that are open. I haven't had to deal with that, but like all the Starbucks locally still have their their you know their seating areas closed down. Even even wow. Florida has been wide, even though Florida has been wide open. I think that was maybe a franchise decision. So there's no yeah. sitting except outside. And of course, if you're trying to do something like this outside at a Starbucks, you know you're fighting a lot of natural hazard noise, you know, background noise and stuff. So. Anyway, hope you weren't doing a lot of Zoom calls and phone com- phone conferences with your nomadic uh, digital nomad day- work this week. Yeah, anyway. I've um, I've had to go stand outside to do it, and then you're dealing with the traffic, so it doesn't make it all that great. But I've also had lots and lots of coffee and coffee-related drinks. So. <laughs> Okay. Well, that sounds good. I, I have actually stayed away from the coffee a little bit. But anyhow, we, uh, we, we don't really need to talk about – we didn't talk about weather. We'll skip a, stay away from the weather this week. But bad internet and good coffee is a good combination um, to fire yep. up our conversation today. So our guest is with us. Our guest today is Kendra Holiday. Kendra, welcome to Drive Through HR. Thanks for joining us today. How are you? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm doing great. Great. Glad to hear it. Um, we were talking in the pre-show. Um, I, almost every week I do weather. For some reason, I have a fixation on weather, so I, I don't know why, exactly why that is. But anyway, um, our show today is a little bit different. It's a little bit different angle. than it, It's work-related, but it's a different kind of work, and it's a little bit longer because the topic is something that we thought might go, the discussion might go a little longer. So we're doing a 45-minute episode today, so if you're listening in, uh, we'll go from now until 12.45 or 1.45 or whatever time it is, wherever you may be. Kendra, most of our guests listen through downloads and, and you know, after the fact. Uh, these days we used to be have a kind of a call-in format, but that fell away a long time ago. So it'll just be the three of us do it, doing the conversation. And to get started, um, why don't you tell our guests who you are and what you do? Sure. So I'm Kendra Holiday, and I'm located in St. Louis, Missouri. And since 2015, I've been self-employed as a sex and relationship consultant, which involves talking appointments with people, helping them deal with some of their issues, and also intimacy sessions, which are hands-on and are what I would call sex work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> um, it is awesome. I have I have been so looking forward to this conversation because it's um it's not our usual fare. Um it is not. It it is. And I think we'll get to that in the conversation today because just kind of thinking about people and their lives and their relationships that they have and kind of how they bring that into work. I mean, 
If that's not HR, I don't know what is. <laughs> it, it, well, and, you know, and it's, and, and, you know, the, the counseling and coaching, I mean, the, you know, the different words that you use, um, I guess, technically, you're not a therapist or a, le- a licensed uh, practitioner, but you, you do work Correct. with people on a, on a, on a one-to-one basis and, and seek to help them with issues. And um, so you said since 2015. So why don't we, why don't we start with, because uh, like you used to, you used to have like a day job, I guess you still do, but yeah, a more traditional corporate mm-hmm. type job, I think at some point, and I don't really know your work history, but why don't you tell us how you made the, that transition and um, kind of what, what, what led you to where you are today to start out? Sure. So, I'm not sure which year to start with, but I have worked in various jobs throughout my decades. I'm 48 years old now, and Mm -hmm. I've been working since I was 16, well, babysitting before that. And so I have worked at bookstores and hospitals and offices, and um, one of my most recent jobs before I went self-employed in 2015 was I worked in a laboratory from 2011 until 2015, and so that was my last interaction with uh, coworkers in an office with HR and all of those policy handbooks and things like that. And <laughs> I liked it well enough, but it really was never such a great fit for me. But I was very grateful to have the job because there was a period of my life for a year or two where I was considered unemployable in St. Louis. Nobody wanted to hire me, but this job gave me a chance and I worked there and As I was working there during the day, I would take evening and weekend appointments with different people around town with clients, talking to them about their issues, and then coming up with kind of a care plan for them about how we might be able to work on their different topics of interest and dysfunction and trying to help them with their health and happiness with sexuality being the core at the heart of it. Uh, So when I was doing all this evening and weekends. It just got to be more and more demand for what I was offering. So my partner of 13 years, he and I had some heart-to-hearts, and he actually is the one who pushed me off the ledge and encouraged me to quit my day job and go into this sex and relationship consulting full-time and become self-employed. And so I was very scared. I've done many things in my life that really terrified me, and that was one of them is to take away my security of a salary and benefits and yep. all of that. But when I did it, I had never looked back and I could not be happier. And I'm making at least twice as much as I did at the day job, but it's all just been incredibly rewarding and great and happily ever after. And yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you, <laughs> I'll, I'll use your lead in. Um, I, I think that this is a correlation, <laughs> although I'm not sure. So the reason you were unemployable for a couple of years is you you experienced a sudden onset of unexpected notoriety. I'll put it that way. Is that is that fair fair way to say it? Yes, I was a pariah <laughs> for a little bit. <laughs> what happened was I've had my sex blog for years. I don't know, over ten years now. And I was anonymously blogging, and I didn't put my face or my real name to my sex blog, and I had all these different fun, exciting stories on there that were pretty racy. And I 
did get a job working in a little nonprofit here in town, but it wasn't very long that they discovered my sex blog by just, I don't know, Google searching or something. And then there was a little glitch in the algorithm where they were able to match me up to my blog, even though that wasn't the intention. It was through social media. And so they, uh, I was not working there very long when they called me into the office and my boss just fired me and it was one of the most mortifying humiliating experiences of my life and she really scolded me for putting she's you know she just thought that anything to do with sex should be private and should not be put online and how dare I and what was I thinking and get out and so I did the walk of shame I left that office and it was awful and they did send me a follow-up email letting me know that um, that someone who conducts myself the way I was conducting myself was not a, not appropriate for their business and that even though I was an intelligent woman, I clearly had issues that I had to work out and I was not welcome there, et cetera. So, gosh, that was, that was the last time that I was shamed like that, and that was in mm. 2010, April. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's... Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, com- companies have, I guess, I don't know, nonprofits. I did a little bit of work with nonprofits, and I guess their they're rely- they're reliance on the public and that kind of stuff is different than a regular corporate office. But I, I suspect most companies would have probably reacted at some level in the same way, which is unfortunate. But um, you, you also, I think that led to you getting, like, reported in the press, which is probably what kind of made you the, the, as you said, a pariah for a couple of years, right? You sort of, <laughs> that story got picked up online and, and ran. Because I, I, when, when I first talked to you and I read it on your blog, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember. I didn't, I didn't know it was you or for, for sure, but I remember hearing that story even a decade later. I remember going, wow, that must be miserable. At, at, and that's probably being very, very low key as compared to what you actually went through. Yeah, it really was a very traumatic experience, but I am so glad that all's well and ends all's well that ends well, and that I was able to turn that awful situation into a blessing because it allowed me to really have a deep reflection within myself. And I have this whole motto with my whole online presence about being open and honest. And I thought, my gosh, now that I have been fired and, um, you know, I thought, should I change my name and work at Target and just try to go underground or do I actually try to self-actualize and fully integrate and just put my name and my face to all of those racy stories and, and sex positive advocacy that I've been putting out there for years, should I do that? And I decided to go ahead and have my big coming out. So the fired parts got media attention. And then when I decided to really take ownership of the whole story, then it really Mm -hmm. got picked up nationally. And it was Mm -hmm. a really stressful time. I, I probably had ulcers and I ground my teeth at night. I was so nervous. And then when I finally came out, it was a big brouhaha in St. Louis for a little while, and hmm. it had to kind of settle down. There was a lot of backlash and repercussions, and so I do believe that we should be able to do whatever we want to do, but we have to be willing to face the consequences. And it was very difficult for a couple of years. Yeah. It was it was very hard, and I'm so glad that I was able to get past that and find a place of respect and a place of um 
like I'm, I've never been so independent and stable in my life. And it's mm-hmm. so funny that what I'm teaching is all about sexuality. And it's so interesting to me that we have such a stigma attached to that in our society. Well, and you know, one of, one of the things um, that I, because yes, I, uh, I have gone down the rabbit hole of, of, of your original, uh, you know, website and blog. Um, and, uh, you know, people can get to that link through, through your business link as well. But um, I just want mm-hmm. to tell people to get, to get out there on it. Here's a website that we have probably never referred this sort of content to people. So be aware. Um, and it is not safe for work. Um, but, but it's also very well done. It's, not like you're popping in Thank and it's, you. you know, uh, stop. So thebeautifulkind.com. But reading through um, some of the old articles, when you went through the whole situation, you also then had a write-up in, I can tell you, you're going to probably be the only drive through HR guest in 12 years who had an article written about them in Hustler Magazine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. That's a bragging yep. right. <laughs> that is a bragging right. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, it, it, it does kind of get at, um, I, I guess part of what, what makes this conversation so interesting to me is it's, you know, the work that you do and, and how you've grown, grown your practice and, and, and working with people is something, you know, is this topic that we, as people, as humans mm-hmm. uh, in the U.S. especially, just, you know, are just so unused to talking about and so uncomfortable talking about. Um, and then, and then you layer on, you know, what our, kind of what our audience is and it's HR folks who just really don't want to talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and mm, I yeah, think yeah. it's, you know, I just think it's, um, I just, I just love what you're doing because I think it destigmatizes these very human, um, characteristics that we have. Um, and so I, you know, I, I encourage people to, uh, you know, to, to take a dive into into your website because <laughs> it's very educational for people to see. Oh, thank you. Um, what, you know, what, what I, I would think because a lot of it is people are not people needing to realize they're not alone as well. Yeah, I think what's really interesting is that even though I'm not a licensed therapist, I don't have any certifications, all of this is self-taught, and I've taken many continuing education classes, and of course, all the reading and research, and most importantly, field research and hands-on experimentation, it makes me more approachable. And I really like that I'm trying to lead by example, and I think a leader goes where she wants others to follow. So that's why I've really put myself out there, and I pretty much am the queen of overshare. And I think that <laughs> inspires people, and they can also decide what level they want to out about their own sexuality. And of course, everyone has to have their considerations about family and their church and their workplace. Yep. So you have to think about those things, but I'm so happy that I'm independent and I'm a free agent and I can, I, I paid my dues. So now I get to yeah. celebrate in all my naked glory. <laughs> mm. um, so one of the things, I guess, that as far as, as far as you being a, a, an intimacy coach or a sex coach, however, I don't, mm-hmm. I guess you can call yourself any number of things. Um, 
mm-hmm. you're, people are coming to you. I mean, and, 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 and I have a, we have a question set up as well, kind of related to the workplace about this as well, but personally right now, or on a personal basis, human personal, I guess, um, mm-hmm. people come to you with very personal, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to overuse that word, I guess, speaking of oversharing, very personal, and I think often complex issues would bring people to you to talk to, to, to speak with you as a coach to try to understand and explore a side of themselves that they may not be comfortable with um, or that they may not be able to speak to their partner about or, you know, a multitude of other reasons that probably exist to, to seek out someone that does what you do. How do you approach mm-hmm. your practice and how do you try to help people deal with what are really, I believe, complex personal issues? Well, I have the sex blog that I, the beautiful com that I've had for uh, years. And then I created a professional website, be open and honest.com. And so people will do a Google search for sex therapy or um, whatever keywords they might be searching for to help them because they're having issues of some kind or they're lacking something or missing something and want to, um, become better at or overcome some obstacle they might be having. So they'll Google search and then my website pops up and then they can contact me through my contact form. And people usually put their contact information in there and a little bit of a comment about what their issue is. And so I'd say there's like five typical issues that people contact me for. It's most often for some sort of sexual dysfunction, such as erectile disappointment or rapid ejaculation or um, some sort of anxiety that is interfering with their pleasure. And also there are people that have just come out of a relationship, getting a divorce, and they feel like their confidence is shaken and they want to kind of check to see how they're doing and regain some confidence and just be able to get some real honest feedback from an experienced person about how they're doing. And so I kind of liken a lot of this stuff to being like a mechanic. I get to get under the hood and tinker around and, and get real, you know, give them the feedback that they're seeking to let them know how things are going. And Um, also, there's also a lot of people who have great shame over some sort of fetish or fantasies that they feel is taboo, and it's nice to be able to talk with someone about that. A lot of people have religious hang-ups or different things like that, so um, those are the main ones. Okay. And, and as, you, as you approach talking to somebody, I guess, like how, how – like how do you, it, it's not an easy conversation, maybe, maybe easier for you as the coach than, mm-hmm. than for the individual, but kind of how do you help them break that down and, and talk about it and, and sort of explore it? Well, what I do is I, every single person, and I almost always work with men, but I have worked with women and couples and some transgender people. Um, what happens is I always start with a one-hour talking consultation, and that's where I get to gather information about them. And I love for them to do their homework and find out all about me. And anything I ask them, they can ask me as well. It's all a two-way street, and I'm an open book, so I get a chance to get to know them. So I usually go through a little checklist of information gathering so that I can find out clues about what 
sort of approach we can take with helping them figure some things out. So I'll ask them about their age, their current situation, and uh, what's going on with them right now. And then I'll also ask them about ethnic background, culture, upbringing, where they grew up. I like to know if they've had past therapy, and I do delve into a little bit of family history about their parents and siblings. I like to know about their close friends, if they have any close friends that they can confide in, and then a brief little infancy childhood checkup to see if about that, that past stuff. And I also like to know about their religious background and how they learned about sex ed, and then getting more into the current situation. I like to learn about what sort of disabilities or physical health, uh, any medications they might be on. And then I like to ask them about if they watch pornography, it, what their habits are with that, what their relationship is with their body, and what they want to work on and explore and what we can address together. And I also like to talk to them about any baggage they might have. Past trauma makes a huge difference with a lot of people and mm. I like to know their relationship and sex history and then finally what kind of things are they into what do, what do they fantasize what's, what's in their head and that's where as you can see it gets more and more interesting the more we go down the list and then finding out about their current situation and getting their past then we can think about right now and the future and what their goals are going to look like what they would like to do and most people usually see me four or five times and I always call myself a stepping stone. I'm not supposed to be where you end up. I'm supposed to help you get to where you need to go. Hmm. Interesting. You, you collect a lot yeah. more information than, than any HR department does. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I call it power hour because I try to get as much information as possible. And then once we have that hour-long consult, then I always give them kind of a recap and an, an email about different links and resources that they might want to explore. Some, I've, of course, got a great reading library for them to go check out. Um, not me. Re I mean, I have lots of book recommendations, I mean. And mm -hmm. then if they would like, I will offer them intimacy sessions if that's appropriate for them. And so I always do the intro talking consultation, and then for every person who wants to do an intimacy session, I always do an introductory intimacy session, which is just getting to know each other's bodies and being comfortable. A lot of people enter these sort of situations very nervous, and my job is to get them into a relaxed state because anxiety is one of the harshest things on our libidos. And it's really nice to find a safe, comfortable place where you can relax and be able to experience pleasure and just be, be present. And it's very nice to mm -hmm. have that opportunity. A lot of people are so up in their heads all the time, worried, worried, worried. And we're, not, we're trying to take that away and just be able to be more in our bodies. Um, the, so, it's so, so interesting. As it, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, as you're talking to people, you know, as you're having clients come in, these are folks you don't know. They Obviously, they don't know you, so I guess there's sort of a mutual two-way learning mm -hmm. curve. But there's also, there's also safety and health issues. I know I looked at your blog, and I, I looked at your blog and read a, a, a few things, and I was actually surprised to find that your, I guess, bad experiences were probably far oh, less yeah. than I would have than I would have guessed. I mean, at least what you, what I was able to see that you had shared, right? Um, mm -hmm, and so, mm -hmm. but, but like, can you talk a bit about, 
um, safety and health and, you know, your, your concerns and how you help, I guess, just explore that with us a little bit? Yes. So I always want to leave people better than I found them. <laughs> so I always want to make sure that I'm keeping people safe. And so what's nice about being a, um, a sex educator is that I'm well-versed in those types of things of safety and consent and uh, prevention of STIs, things like that. So when I have someone contact me, I do a little bit of screening with them and I operate on mutual respect. And I know a lot of people feel like we've got a lot of bad people in the world, but I will tell you, I've met and been intimate with probably thousands of people at this point and overwhelmingly 90 Eight percent of the people that I encounter are good people. They're nice people. They're earnest. They have good intentions. They want help, and they are so looking for guidance. And so I've had very few bad experiences. It's been a very fortunate. I don't know. Maybe my screening's that good <laughs> because people are just so nice, and they and it just works out really well. Of course, there are some rough situations that I describe, but really, I mean, just thinking about it, I. I've been very fortunate, and I think it helps a lot that I am, I think, like a white middle-aged woman. I've got privilege in our society. I think that I have a pretty public reputation, so that discourages people from trying to mess with me, I think. And so I'm not too concerned about my safety. I do have a lot of gut intuition, so if I sense somebody is contacting me with um bad intentions, of course, I refuse to meet with them. And so far, it's worked out really well. And I always like to um, teach people about how to be safe in their interactions with people uh, intimately and dating and so forth. So I will talk to them about consent, and I'll talk to them about the right way to use condoms and hygiene and things that will help keep people safe and all of that. Mm -hmm. So it's so I think that's the main thing about people not wanting to get mugged. They don't want to get assaulted. They don't want to get ripped off. And, of course, we don't want to have the um, STI. So I just always practice the safer sex precautions, and that's worked really well for me so far. I've, I get tested about quarterly, and, and everything's been oh, great. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to ask one more question. Go ahead, Rob. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Robin. No, no. No, go ahead. Um, I was just going to ask one more question on the, I guess, and it's what, what about like the, so there are, there are undoubtedly uh, a lot of people because we have, you know, in our society today, we're 50% against or for almost anything. It doesn't really matter what mm-hmm. it is, but, but the fact that you are, um, in, in, you know, in working in the sex industry, if you will, or this in the field yeah. of sex is probably something that attracts mm-hmm. negative attention from certain elements. Um, um, how, how about that angle of it from a, you know, do you, do you deal with a lot of outreach from people who think that, you know, you're from hell or whatever, or, or I don't know, you know, that are or headed there. Or is that, yeah. Or is that something that isn't really as pervasive either as, as one might expect, you know, without knowing much about it? Um, I certainly get some really nasty comments on my blog. There's uh, this one man who keeps commenting about how 
women's genitals or the devil and very bad and evil. And so I think he's got some issues. <laughs> and so I just don't publish mm-hmm. those because it's just toxic. It's not helpful to the conversation. Yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I've, I've certainly had haters in the past and I've had, you know, a little bit of cyber stalking, things like that, but it's been mm-hmm. real calmed down lately. I think there's so many things going on out there that, I don't. I don't know. Like, uh, I'm glad that I don't have to deal with that too often. Yeah. Um. What was What was the question you had about? Just um. That, people. I think that was basically. Yeah. yeah I think that was basically uh-huh. it. Just like, do you do you attract? Does Does what you do? Uh. You know, because you, you you speak in very positive terms about everything you're doing, and that it's you know a blessing, mm-hmm. and and using words like that, and. And yet it seems like mm-hmm. it would have the potential to attract negative, like it did with your blog, you know, back in the day. And so yeah. I was curious whether yeah. there, there was a high level of that or if it was less than one, than one might expect. And I think you answered that. Okay. Um, I okay. think that yeah. uh, I don't, I don't know if that's true for all, all people who work in all the different, I guess, you know, if you start looking at other mm-hmm. elements of the sex industry, I, 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 I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what to call it. Um, you know, somebody who does porn or whatever maybe has, you know, uh, maybe has other issues to deal with. And I, I guess what I'm trying to get to sure. is that, that there is some stigma attached to that. And I know Robin had a couple of questions in that direction. So kind of trying to steer in that direction before we go back to the workplace and a couple other places. Yeah. And, and, and let me just do a, a, a quick reset on the show as well. Um, we're talking with uh, Kendra Halliday about um, her work and I'll, we'll, We'll let her fill everybody in at the end of the show on, on where they can connect with her. Um, and uh, we're down to about 15 minutes or so left, so we, we've still got some interesting things to cover. But, um, you know, kind of kind of flowing off of what, what we were just talking about is, is thinking about, I guess, the reactions of others to, to this sort of work um, and sort of how society views really any kind of sex work. Um, There's such a, you know, historically just this very, very negative connotation. So we think of the, you know, the stigmatization of, uh, of sex workers and that, that could be anybody, um, I guess, in or around (laughs) any related industry. What, um, what do you think are some of the factors you know, that we're dealing with? And I guess this is kind of a macro level question, but, you know, how, mm-hmm. where does that stigmatization yeah. uh, lead us? And, and what do we need to overcome? I think that the main reason why sex work, well, it's funny because there are some sex work that is legal, like working yeah. in uh, strip clubs or, or, I guess cam girl stuff is legal. I don't know. And, and, you know, people yeah. can shoot porn with film and that's legal. But then if yeah. there are other people doing other sex work acts, then that is illegal. So I, I'm not sure why that is. It doesn't make sense to me, but I think the main reason why sex is so stigmatized and why it's some of these acts are illegal is mainly about controlling women. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, People get upset when sometimes when people succeed or take ownership and have autonomy and independence, I think that that, that bothers some people. So yeah. that's, 
definitely on them, and I try to present all of this in the most matter-of-fact, positive approach because it really doesn't need to be that scary. There's just a lot of people have a real knee-jerk reaction to it. There's this visceral fear when it comes to sex, just like death. Like there's certain topics that are really sensitive, and I'm glad that I got into the sex stuff because I think that it is so critical and valuable and it is what's keeping us perpetuating our society you know like what would we do without it it's really necessary and I think it's so important to get good sex education and unfortunately a lot of the clients who come to see me are in their 50s and 60s and I wish that they had gotten a better shake at things in their 20s they'd they'd have a much happier and healthier relationship and instead they have to kind of play catch up and and have to undo some things that weren't the best you know but people still don't know some female anatomy and and so i love being right. able to just show on my own body what parts are what and help you know and be able to invite that and give permission for people to look because a lot of people right. are fumbling around in the dark and trying to read minds and it, that doesn't work you have to learn how to communicate and not just put up with different things but be very much about enthusiastic consent and um be curious about things in a nice way and what i love about working with all these different people is everybody is so different like a landscape or a work of art and so even though everyone has different body shapes and sizes and all of that i just find there's something beautiful about every person and it's just such an honor to be able to get undressed with somebody and teach them these things and you can't erase bad experiences and traumatic past Mm -hmm. but you can enhance and add positive experiences and you can add Mm -hmm. that you can expand their palate so that they can feel um, more balanced as they're going forward Mm -hmm. with their relationships and their sex life yeah well and you know that thinking about that 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 stigma coming from you know thousands of years of um yeah. I'm, I'm right with you i think it's it's over time um i'm gonna get on a little soapbox now too but you know over time men trying to control women's bodies <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Know, mm-hmm. Uh, over over so many years and i think about here um, locally here in Baton Rouge and so the um, the the laws the codes the whatever are written parish by parish county by county um, so that on the Mm -hmm. east side of the Mississippi River where I am the Mm -hmm. uh, the clubs um, they have to uh, cover up a certain way the dancers have to cover up a certain way and, you know, this is even pre-pandemic, right? Say X number of feet or inches away. You go across mm-hmm. the bridge and you go to the west side of the river, West Baton Rouge, and they have a totally different mm-hmm. set of parameters. And the, yep, the same here with our Mississippi different. River, too. <laughs> yeah, see that Mississippi yeah. River, that's the divide line, I think. But, but then yeah, I think about, you know, all the folks um, – over the years that I know that have gone and can weigh in on, should I go to the club on the east side of the river or the west side of the river and why? Mm-hmm. Um, but yet the folks that work at these clubs um, mm-hmm. 
are still shamed. They're providing yeah. a, a service um, mm-hmm. or entertainment mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it for obviously mm-hmm. a very eager audience to come. And yet in the same breath mm-hmm. where I'll hear someone say, oh, I went to, you know, XYZ club, um, they, they denigrate the people that they are going to watch or see or speak to. Yeah. So it's just, mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, I think there's so many things wrapped up with that. And that's, again, it goes back to how somebody was raised or what they learned or uh, what they were fed into their minds. And, you know, I think there's the, the sad part is um, then that, that stigma gets wrapped into what can be real and serious um, issues around human trafficking or things like that. And, you know, that's a whole different oh, yeah. class. But, um, you know, it just it mushes all together. And, um, you know, you put our Puritan sensibilities in there. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, a, it's hard to have a conversation about. So I'm climbing off my soapbox yeah. now. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that um, I think that decriminalizing sex work would do a world of good for things. I think the more you try to squash and censor things, the more underground things go and the more people yeah. are at risk of being trafficked and the more there's um, a breakdown on the consent. And so for people like me who are clearly doing this of my own free will being self-employed, paying my taxes yeah. and all that, you know, like it's clear that this is a, a good thing, you know, you don't have to worry about that. Like, Ooh, I wonder, you know, if, if she's really into it and so forth. So it really does right. help. And I, I really do wish that we could decriminalize and I'm doing my part to advocate for me and all of my sex worker colleagues, I've got many different friends in different industries. There's different types of sex work. Some people do sex work face-to-face with people like me, and others are doing them more online or in a different avenue. Mm-hmm. So I think that we should all be able to do what we want to do as long as we take care of our duties and obligations and don't hurt other people. Amen. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It. it, it, uh, It's. I was. um, As you were. As you were talking, uh, Kendra. Uh I was. I. I, I've been to Amsterdam. I'm Dutch by ethnicity, and I've been to Amsterdam a number of times. And you know, they have the red light district there, where prostitution is legal and you know, fully on display. Mm -hmm. And it's become such a. um, It's become such a point of tourism. Mostly, I think mm-hmm. people just going to gawk, you know, perhaps more than going to participate. That the, mm-hmm. the red light district is 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 the the city fathers and mothers of Amsterdam are are looking at moving the red light district elsewhere because it's wrecking downtown <laughs> because mm-hmm. of the, the interest in seeing it, right? So even so, that's mm-hmm. I, I, that's not a that it's not really a sex work question. It, it you know it's illegal there, but it, it the way it's handled and presented has become such mm-hmm. a kind of such an obstacle in the community that they're they're uh looking at relocating it to like a more remote part of Amsterdam I guess where it's not right on in oh, one I of the main Yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh it's been a conversation for a while and I don't, I don't know where it stands these days but it, and so you mm-hmm. know it's one of the more progressive countries right it's still still having issues you know much different than what we're talking about but still having issues 
caused by people's interest in sex, I guess, right? So every, mm-hmm. everybody wants yeah. to see it or whatever. Um, I want to I want to pivot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know this isn't your specialty, but we have, one of the last questions we have about um, about six minutes left. Um, okay. The, you know, sex we, like in HR. One of the things that HR people do is we we share horror stories or or you know whatever you want to call them because you, you know, crazy things you've had to deal with and they come in all shapes and sizes as you might imagine and mm-hmm. um, many of them are related to sexual behavior. Some are you know, literally people oh. having sex in the workplace. Others are, mm-hmm. you know, more have been more widely documented recently, like all the Me Too sexual harassment stories that have come out over the last few years. And I guess I just mm-hmm. wondered from your from your perspective, you know, now that you're no longer in the workplace, but thinking mm-hmm. back as an employee, as an employee, um, but with your sort of special expertise. How do you view that whole issue of Me Too and the way people treat each other in the workplace? Is there do you have a different take on it than what what is kind of the mainstream narrative, or is it pretty much what it what it appears to be? Ah, oh, gosh, I don't know. I I always say that most people are good people, but I will also say that I think there are some people out there who want to support other people and lift them up, and there. Are, other kinds of people who want to prey on people and exploit them. And it's unfortunate that sometimes it seems like a lot of men, they get, quote, carried away. And I don't know if it's testosterone or entitlement or what's going on there, but they just feel like they can reach out and touch or say different things that can be hurtful to other people. And I personally have experienced it a few times in my work career with people coming up and giving me shoulder rubs without me wanting that and just being, you know, creeping on me. And it just felt not Mm -hmm. good at all, but you get in the situation that's really awkward because if you report it, then you're um, causing trouble and it just, it's a, it's a lose, lose situation. So I'm so glad that I don't have to deal with that anymore. I feel much more empowered and independent and liberated with doing what I do now. I feel bad for the people that are in those situations because it still happens all the time. And it's just, ugh, like I just get the willies just thinking about all those shoulder rubs I didn't want. And, you know, it, or that's just one example, yep. but it's it's just not okay. And it's so funny that some men feel like, well, I can't even talk to women anymore because of all this. But I don't know. I think if we were to teach emotional literacy in school growing up or something, if we teach people how to respect other people, then uh-huh. um, I don't know. Like it just seems like to me, to me, feminism is treating everyone as equals. And I think that that's a good thing. And I do have problems with the patriarchy and I call the patriarchy as the definition of the fear of the feminine and mature masculine. I think patriarchy mm. is like uh-huh. um, a, like a it comes from immaturity it comes from an impulsive uh, greedy fear-based place where people are worried about giving power to other people and thinking they're going to lose power when that's not the case at all i always say that if women and children are treated nice in our culture then the men will be great they'll be great too like we need to take care of these people and it will benefit everybody. But for the men who want to squash people down and not treat them as equals, then that is just going to backfire on everybody. It hurts everybody. 
Well, as you can tell, Amen. thank you for that answer, by the way. And, yes, totally agree. Uh, unfortunate so many people are insecure um, in a bad way. Um, we're down mm-hmm. to less than 90 seconds. So we, we hinted at your websites earlier. Why, why don't you share where people can find you if they're interested in reaching out? And before, But before you do that, I want to say thank you very much for taking the time to be with us on DriveThru today. It was a very interesting show, and I appreciate you doing this. So thanks for joining us. Very much. Oh, thank you so much. It's such a wonderful opportunity. I feel like since this is kind of um, often not put out there, with, I think that you're kind of a mainstream business kind of uh, facing mm-hmm. podcast. It's so cool that you were willing to take this um, take this topic on. And I just want to say that I'm Kendra Holiday in St. Louis, Missouri, and you can find my fun blog with full of pictures and stories, thebeautifulkind.com. And my professional site is BeOpenAndHonest.com. And then finally, I do run Sex Positive St. Louis, which has been around for a decade because we found a lot of a lot of things are negative or ignorant about when it comes to sex. And we wanted to create a, a safe space for people to explore their sexuality. And that is SexSPL.com. Thanks, Kendra. Thanks for being on Drive Through, Robin. Talk yeah, thank week. you so much. Take care, both of you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.